The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The sermon series is entitled, Set Your Hope. Set Your Hope. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word to us this morning. God, I thank you that your word is preserved for us, that it is God-breathed and profitable, that it transforms us, that it corrects us, that it instructs us, that it empowers us. God, we thank you that we encounter your spirit in your word. And I pray right now, God, that you would speak a fresh word to each of us. God, I thank you that your word is alive, that its meaning and reality met its original hearers in the first century and it's met every humble, faith-filled follower of Jesus throughout the centuries and this morning, you want to speak to us. God, I pray that you would help us as we learn how to, in every way that you have described in these verses, to set our hope on the grace we have in Jesus. God, I pray that you would strengthen us, that you would sharpen us, and that you would mobilize us to be people who bring hope to the hopeless, who direct others away from hopes that fail to the one source of hope that never fails. God, would you do this in us and for us and ultimately through us in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. This is a challenging week for us already, obviously, um, a lot of us have been sick. Our family was at the Passion Camp. We, we were sick for almost two weeks. It kind of went through our family. The first Sunday that we were online only, we were actually planning to be away at Tiffany's family reunion, which was also canceled because a bunch of people from her family uh, were sick with COVID. And we didn't know it, but we were going to end up being sick with COVID that weekend too. And so I finally experienced it after over a year of not having COVID. I got covid and it was terrible. And so Sunday morning, everybody was watching me preaching a pre-recorded sermon, and I was feeling like I was about to die in my bed. And then the following week, still sick, tired, uh, hearing reports of all these kinds of people who I love and care about sick. And then this past Tuesday, sadly, we're just heartbroken over the loss of our good friend, Ron Barnett, who passed on Tuesday at 4 p.m., you may have known Ron. He served as altar ministry. He was up here on Sunday mornings praying for, for your needs, uh, interceding for you. He was a, a stand-up comedian. Everything was funny to Ron, and he served in Christchurch Kids and was my, one of my kids' favorite games leaders. And so it's a significant loss. Our hearts are with Beth, his wife, and their, and their uh, daughter and son-in-law and their family. And so it's been, a, it's been a challenging and tragic week for those of us who've lost friends. And I know it's not just Ron. I know there's others. We've heard reports of family members who have passed and other people in other churches. And so it's, a, it's hard. It's a challenge. And so I don't know that there's ever been a more important time for us to set our hope. Set our hope. 
I don't know if you guys know this or not, but um, hope is not like rotisserie chicken ovens. You can't set it and forget it. You guys remember the set it and forget it guy? Did anybody watch infomercials in the 80s? Come on. Set it and forget it. Your hope is not a crock pot. Do you know that? You have to set it and you have to set it with regular intervals. I'm an, I'm an amateur tile guy. I don't know if you guys uh, ever, anybody, any DIYers in the house? Anybody do your own work? Yeah, a couple of you. Um, I, I enjoy doing tile. I like that meticulousness and being left alone for some period of time. And so tile gives me that opportunity. And so uh, I started in our first house. Our first house was a fixer upper and we experimented in a lot of different ways. And I realized that in setting tile in our first house in the first bathroom I ever did tile in, the tub is not a great place to start your tile. It looks straight, but it's not straight. And so when you just start your tile on the tub and go up the wall, you get to the top of the wall and your tile has done this. And so we learned a trick. Don't put the first row of tile in. Take that one out and draw a nice level line and you screw a piece of wood to the wall and you set your tile on something that's straight and you go up from there and then when you're done, you come back and you put the tiles in the bottom. That's free, by the way. I know you weren't expecting tile tips, but (laughs) let me save you a wonky corner. And so now that's my practice. And just like you have to set your tile on something level and straight, a solid foundation every day and in regular intervals, we have to set our hope on something that will get us going in the right direction and keep us straight. Can I get amen? And so I wanna help us, and I think Peter's job and goal in this letter is to help people who are in difficult circumstances to set their hope. There's gonna be four sermons in this series that are gonna describe how we go about setting our hope, and so I hope you'll join us for all four. But the first one is to shift your paradigm. Shift your paradigm. Anybody ever experienced a paradigm shift? Anybody go from being single to married? (laughs) Paradigm shift. It's funny, you think about marriage when you're single in a certain way, and then you get married, and it's not that way at all, is it? And you have to shift your paradigm, or you're going to be a miserably selfish person trying to live single next to somebody else trying to live single or being married to you. And who knows how long that'll last. And so you need a paradigm shift, don't you? How about no kids to kids? Remember that paradigm shift? Anybody here like me watching people raise children without children and think to yourself, I wouldn't do that. (laughs) I would not let them get away with that. By the time you have kids, you realize that most of their outbursts have to do with they're tired and hungry. Just keep them fed, keep them sleeping, and everything will be fine. Now I see parents and I see a kid melting down and I'm like, I feel compassion for the parent and that's all. Why? Paradigm shift! It's amazing what you don't know until you have to learn what it is you didn't know. And so we live our lives experiencing paradigm shifts. Well, a big part of setting your hope means that you need a paradigm shift, that there may be some things that you think, some underlying assumptions that you think about that are gonna change your approach to life. And if you have a paradigm shift that moves you closer to reality, then you're actually able to set your hope on something that is sure and certain, a level surface. And so one of the things we see in this passage in verses 1 to 21 is that Peter lays out for us a method, a way, a how-to to set your hope to give you a paradigm shift. And I don't know if you know this or not, but we're living in a pretty polarized world where people are treating each other terribly 
And uh, the more disconnected we are, the more that platform becomes online, it gets nastier and nastier and nastier. I'm on a, an app called Nextdoor. I don't do social media. I don't do Instagram. I don't do Facebook. I don't do Twitter. Never did those things. Um, nobody cares what I think, and I don't care what they think. So why bother? And so, but I'm on Nextdoor because I want to interact with my actual neighbors. And I still have people who are getting on there and harping on each other. And, and in the comments, they're insulting each other with insults. And it's funny, those same people will walk by, walking their dog. Hey, how's it going? Good to see you. Good morning. And then get on there. Oh, stupid, can't believe it. Dumb, ignorant. Wowzer. This is the world in which we're living. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that there are different groups of people with different underlying assumptions that have caused them to place their hope in things that other people are messing up with their dumb choices. Do you know it? But before you can learn where to and how to set your hope, most of us require a paradigm shift. Some of you have made that shift and you know the one that I'm, that I'm talking about. I have found that it's no longer helpful for me to talk to people about how they should think or what they should do. And I find myself more frequently just asking people who disagree with me or maybe assaulting me for being the problem to keeping their hopes out of fruition. Questions like, why do you think that? And how did you come to that conclusion? And what you find in the answers to those questions sometimes are those underlying assumptions that people hold on to that cause them to set their hope in places that other people are opposing. And so I want all of us as Jesus followers to consider what Peter, Jesus' close disciple, leader of the apostles, founder of the Christian church, has to say to a group of Christians who have been uh, unwillingly dispersed into exile, out of Jerusalem, out of Rome, and into places they are not from. They've lost jobs, lost family members, lost family fortunes, lost stability, and they are on the, the brink of persecution. This, this is a group of people who is in a very tumultuous experience collectively. I don't know if any of you are feeling that. Our journey is a little different than theirs, but these are the words that the, the, the shepherd, the elder, the apostle Peter writes to the Jesus' followers of the first century. Look back to verse one. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, a sent one, an authorized leader, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Verse two, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Think about the paradigm shift that has occurred that allows Peter to say, you are elect exiles. Those two words should not go together. You have been chosen for exile. What? I thought God loved me. Think about this for a split second. Here we have, this is like him saying, purposeful prisoners. What? Does not make sense. Dedicated for deportation. What? Why? How? Commissioned as castaways. This does not, this does not fit the normal human paradigm. 
Why are things going so badly? And in fact, it's on purpose, elect exiles, according to, and then he goes Trinitarian on us, according to the foreknowledge of God. It was all part of his plan. And in the sanctification of the spirit, God is both refining and repurposing you. He's doing a work in you and he's doing a work through you empowered by the Holy Spirit. And according to and for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. This is aimed at the lordship of Jesus for you and all people and the salvation of Jesus for you and all people. You are called to have Jesus as your Lord and your savior. And this is where the paradigm shift begins. Paradigm shifts are tricky. I don't know if you guys have found yourself watching the news differently. I went, I went to journalism school in the 90s and I learned things about journalism that journalists were meant to be objective and present facts for the interpretation of people. And there were things like opinion pieces and editorials where the writer would say, here is what I think about these things, but now everything has turned into editorial and opinion. And so, and so who, who do you trust? You know, in this whole um, little Delta variant spike that we were watching, I'm getting on to a data source to watch cases and numbers so I can make decisions based on our situation. And so I'm watching the first week, there was 700 new cases of this Delta variant of COVID. And then it jumped to 2,100, 1,300 cases, and then 2,100 cases, and then 3,500 cases. And then the following week, it dropped back down to 2,100 cases. And I thought, there it is, there's the spike. And it's gonna come down and down and down and then we're gonna be a little safer. It's gonna blow through here like it went through India, like it went through the UK and I'm watching the data. And then this past week I went to see, okay, let's see if it went down again. And they showed it not only having gone up, but they changed last week to go up. I was like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 just a second. This is data. It, it doesn't, how does it change? And so there's a little link in the bottom and it said, how, about this data. And I clicked on the link and you know what I read? This data changes rapidly and may differ by location. Okay. This data includes confirmed and probable cases. What are, what, what are probable cases? Who's deciding what's probably happening? And so I read further under that section. The total count includes both confirmed and probable cases in some locations. Probable cases are identified by public health officials and use criteria developed by government authorities with no names and no further available data, which is a big old, trust us, we're in charge and professionals. <laughs> and then it says, this data shows positivity from tests which dif differ from cases because multiple people can be tested more than once. It's constantly updated from resources around the world. Data comes from Wikipedia. You know that website you can't cite in your research paper? That's where they're getting the data. You know where else from? The New York Times and other authoritative sources. It's fake data. It's not real. It's what somebody somewhere we don't know thinks is probably happening. 
Try making decisions with that. Can you tell I'm a little fired up? What are you supposed to do? But I do have actual doctors and actual nurses in actual hospitals saying, there are many people sick and this place is filled. And so pray. That's actual data from actual people in actual places, from people that I know and can trust, which is different. And so now every time I open my computer screen or turn on the TV, I go, I don't trust a word you're saying. In fact, I'm trying to listen to what you're saying so I can tell what you want me to think, so I can know what your motive is, so I can judge the things you're saying and come to the right conclusions. It's mind boggling. And so my paradigm shifted. Anybody else experience paradigm shift recently? Yeah. There's these assumptions. And I'm watching it all the time. I'm watching it in the vaccination, no vaccination fight. I'm watching it. I'm watching it. Because there's a group of people who have an assumption that the vaccinations, they work, they're safe, and if everyone would have them, then we could stop this thing. There's those people. And then there's the people who think somewhere between, I don't know if I should take that because I don't know the risk because it's untested, and I'm young and healthy enough that I probably have a very slight chance of actually dying from COVID, and so I'm going to take my risk with COVID instead of the vaccine, so that's over here. And then this other group, that goes all the way over to Bill Gates want to put nanobots in your body to turn you into a zombie he can control. And so there's all these people over here who are saying, no way, I'll never do this. And the problem is, because of these underlying assumptions from these two groups of people, they've set their hope on the other group's behaviors, which means that person who doesn't agree with your assumptions is destroying your hope. And I'm here this morning to give you good news. And it's not that either of us or any of us know who's right about those assumptions. What I'm here to tell you is that there's a different foundation upon which to set your hope. And you need a paradigm shift. You need a paradigm shift away from a professional or a politician or a vaccine that is going to get you the thing you're hoping for and instead recognize that there's something bigger than all of this that you can put your hope upon that will give you endurance no matter what you walk through. This is where the paradigm shift must occur. I hear continually over and over and over in the news, if people would just, if people would just, if people would just, and the the underlying assumption is that we're going to somehow rewind the tape and get back to a pre-COVID world, a zero COVID goal where there are no cases and there are no deaths. And I'm here to tell you that will not happen. That will not happen. We now live in a world where COVID exists. And it will exist seasonally and it will variate and it will change, but it is not going away. And there's not enough things we could do to recover the past. Do you know it? And so when the news is telling you, if you would just, we can, and if it would present for you a a utopian future where everything's normal again, if you will just do what we say, that is only a control mechanism. Do you know that? because it's based on a faulty assumption. But listen, I got good news. Normal's not coming back, but Jesus is. He's got a plan in the meantime, and he's working it, and he knew this was gonna happen, and you were a part of it. In fact, you were chosen for this, what feels like exile. You were sent into the COVID world. You weren't born into the polio world. You weren't born into the plague world, but you were born into the COVID world. Welcome. But when you were when your shift over here happens, when you're able to move your paradigm away from altering your present, and you're able to shift to a paradigm where you worship the God who holds the future, then you can know no matter how bad it is, you were sent into it on purpose. You are an elect exile. 
you think about this for a second, I mean, the dispersion was about the worst thing that could have happened to people. These are people who are on ancestral lands, who have family farms and businesses and communities that are established. All of their prosperity and wealth is interdependent and connected to the past. All of their progeny in the future is based on this place. And now they're disposed of this and pushed out to basically start over with nothing. And they are public enemy number one. Not a good, not a good day. But Peter says, that was according to the foreknowledge of God. He said, you are going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And everybody received that good news and they stayed put. Did you know that? In the first century, everybody went to Jerusalem for Pentecost, heard about Jesus, got saved, stayed in Jerusalem. You're going to be my witnesses and I'm going to send you out with my spirit. And they received the spirit and they just hung out in Jerusalem until they sucked up all the resources. And then they took a collection and everybody gave money to help them. And that lasted a little while longer. And then famine struck. And then Jerusalem was attacked and destroyed. And everybody was running for their lives to the hills. And you know where God wanted everybody to go from day one? The hills. God's got a plan. But sometimes dispersion, scattering, just feels like everything's ruined and you're alone to pick up the pieces. I know this because I have a four-year-old that plays with Tinker Toys. And every night before bed, Tiffany and I pick up all the Tinker Toys and he has 7,000 of them. And every morning, sometime between 9 and 10 a.m., after he's had juice and oatmeal, we hear the recognizable sound of all 7,000 of them hitting the floor at the same time. I actually thought about bringing the whole box of them to church today and dumping them out on the front row just so you could experience the scattering and then to look down and think, yeah, I'm gonna have to pick up all those later. Now, some of you may be walking through a season where your perception of God is he just dumped out all the tinker toys and now you're alone to pick up the pieces. But the reality is God's got so many purposes that are so much bigger than the small things that we set our hopes on. And we'll never learn what it means to put our hope where God wants it, to set it, to set it again and to set it again and to set it again and to set it again to have the outcome he wants until we're willing to shift our paradigm away from a short-sighted near future that we have determined or that someone is holding out for us as possible and to put our faith in the God who planned it all and chose us to be a part of it. You see, we're in this dispersion, we're in this exile, not just the first century. Peter does this cool thing where he uses uh, Old Testament verbiage about Israel, things that God had said to Israel centuries ago to talk about Christian people who were formerly Gentiles in First Peter. It's really kind of cool when you read the whole book and you should read the whole book. It's not very long, but he uses these things to describe uh, this is who you are, but that's not who they were. They were Gentiles. Now they're Jesus followers. And he's using all this Old Testament language and applying it to new covenant Christian people from all backgrounds. And he's saying, this is who you are to God. Now, Peter had a major paradigm shift. He needed a major paradigm shift. Do you guys remember uh, in Acts chapter 10? So Peter gets up to pray. It's it's the early wee hours of the morning and he sees a vision. And in the vision, there's what looks like a sheet that comes down from the clouds and in it are all kinds of unclean animals and reptiles and birds. And then here's God's voice saying to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And what does Peter say? Classic Peter, no, God, surely not. And so this vision repeats three times. And Peter has a history with needing to be told three times. Anybody else are three-time people? I feel like I got some five-time people in the house this morning. 
He's like, no, I won't do it. Three times this happens. And, and Peter's going, what, what am I seeing? You're telling me to eat unclean things, common things. I've never done that. That's off limits. I'm a Jew under the law. God is saying, listen, there's a paradigm shift that you were not prepared for that I know about and planned and I've called you to be a part of. And that was the inclusion of the Gentiles. And what happens? He comes down from seeing this vision and there's a knock at the door and there's a servant of a man named Cornelius who's a Roman centurion, the enemy, the powerful enemy who could kill you if he wants. Hey, uh, my boss, the Roman centurion Cornelius is requesting your presence. How does he know I'm even here? Listen to this. This is this, how specific this was. Cornelius had a vision where he heard a voice say, I want you to send a servant to Simon the Tanner's house and request Simon named Peter. That's pretty specific. I'm gonna go somewhere I haven't been. Hey, I'm looking for the tanner of the town. Oh, Simon, he lives over here. Hey, I'm looking for Simon, not the tanner, Peter, his house guest. And so God is orchestrating this paradigm shift. And so Peter goes with the servants and he encounters Cornelius. Cornelius tries to worship him. Peter's like, get up, I'm just a dude. And then he says, apparently you have a message from God for us. And here's Peter having had this vision of what was called unclean, God has called clean. And now here's Peter standing before an unclean Gentile in his house, which he shouldn't have been doing under the law. And he's getting what God is saying. God is saying there's a paradigm shift. And until you understand it, until you make this paradigm shift, you will not be able to set your hope because the things you wanted, the way you used to think are not the things God's doing. And so you're gonna find God letting you down again and again and again. And some of us have that same thing. Some of us live life with a God would never and God will always. And that's not who God truly is. And you need him to shift your paradigm so that you can set your hope in the right places. If your hope is set on outcomes that someone's offered to you or that you've created, you are bound to have your hopes dashed. If your hopes are set on people and the, the choices they make and the responses they have to the assumptions that you carry that they do not, buckle up for disappointment, everybody. It's gonna be a bumpy ride. But if your hope is set based on the paradigm that God is providing, then it will be level and straight and true and trustworthy and unshakable. And you can look at dark circumstances and feel in your heart, I was made for this. I was sent into such a time as this. I have everything I need. God is at work in me by the sanctifying power of his Holy Spirit. God is using this to purify me. God is using this to repurpose me and empower and send me. And he is doing all this so that I can experience his gift of salvation by recognizing Jesus as Lord and having his blood sprinkle me clean and then bring that good news to suffering people everywhere, people who need hope. And listen, we live in a world, people have tons of hope. It's just crappy, minimal, tiny hope that's placed in the wrong things. Do you know it? Everywhere you go, people are waking up trying to find hope and they're finding it and they're placing it. And you know who's informing their hope? CNN and Wikipedia. Listen, I'm here to tell you there's a more reliable source of truth and reality, but we need to shift our paradigm so that we can set our hope. Look back at, Verse 13, therefore, uh, I don't have enough time and I've got four weeks, praise Jesus, to get into why there's a therefore. You know, every time you read the Bible and you see therefore, you gotta back up and find out what it's there for, right? <laughs> so this is a summary thought. 
And so we gotta back it up. We are gonna do that for, for three more weeks. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. And so there's some work that has to be done in, in your brain. Set your hope fully, not partially, not a little bit, not, not I've diversified my portfolio of hope and I got some Jesus in here and I got some vaccine in here and I got some people voting better in here. I got some stuff all here. And I'm hoping all these things work out. Jesus says, no, no, no. Peter goes, fully set your hope. Where? On the grace that will certainly be brought to you personally at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen, um, we all need a revelation of Jesus Christ. There's gonna be a revelation, an appearing. This is speaking of the end. This is the specific revelation of when Jesus comes back. So there's grace coming your way. You're sprinkled and clean and dwelt by the Holy Spirit. You belong to God. We're walking through this exilic period where things aren't the way that they should be, but, but there's, there's hope to be had because there's certain future grace coming our way. And so when we set our hope on that it has to be at the revelation of Jesus. But some of you need a different revelation of Jesus. Some of you need the revelation of Jesus that Peter and the disciples had before they knew who Jesus was. Because Jesus was a prophet and a teacher to them. And he had the power of God. But they didn't know who he was. Do you guys remember the story in Mark chapter four when Jesus says, hey, let's, let's head out on the boat and we'll cross the, we'll cross the lake. It's like a sea, let's go out together. And they get out there and Jesus is taking a nap. And then the storm comes up. We live on the coast in Florida. Storms come up and they're pretty nasty pretty quickly, aren't they? And this is what the disciples are experiencing. And there's, there's Jesus in the boat with the disciples and they all fear for their lives and they think they're gonna die. And they awaken Jesus. Ah, ah, do you not care? And they're not thinking Jesus can help them. They're thinking Jesus get a bucket, you know? Like all, all hands on deck. You may be a prophet, but here you bail water, okay? This is how guys on boats are, by the way. I don't know if you know this or not. Jesus, what does he say? Peace be still. And the whole creation responds. The storm obeys him. And the disciples wet their pants a little. Fortunately, they're already mostly wet, so you couldn't tell. It says they were amazed and filled with fear. Who is this man that even the seas obey him? Some of you need a revelation of who Jesus is. He's not a Bible story. He's not a cartoon that you make in children's ministry. He's not a, he's not a nice, somewhat historic figure that weak people of faith have used to make themselves feel better. He is the creator of the universe and the savior of the world. He made you and he died to save you. And he's inviting you to follow him as Lord. You need a revelation. You need a revelation of his reign. And you need that revelation of his reign because he's ruling and reigning right now. Do you know it? He is not, he is not dissuaded. He is not overcome. He is not stressed out. And he is not changing his story like most politicians do. Remember that? Don't remember that thing I said? Here's the new thing. This is the thing we're doing now. Let's all think about this thing. Jesus is sovereign over the seas. He's sovereign over your situation. You need a revelation of a Jesus who reigns. You also need a revelation of a, a Jesus who redeems. How are you going to have this paradigm shift? Hmm. Sometimes when our hopes are dashed again and again and again and again, 
we think that if God won't deliver us out of the thing we put our hope in, that maybe God can't save us after all. And I've watched it happen again and again with people who set their hope on the wrong thing. And then God fails them, let them down. I talk to people all the time who used to go to church. Why? Because they were terribly treated by the people who were at that church. Now that's not uncommon, unfortunately. But the solution isn't different, better people in churches. Because guess what? We invite everybody here. I mean, you're here. We want everybody here and all their brokenness, but we also want everybody who's present to not make the mistake of setting your hope on people because people will let you down. They won't be who they're supposed to be. We're all trying to be something we're not yet. But if you put your hope in Jesus, you'll never be let down. And so we hope and we hope and we hope and we hope in this outcome and we hope somebody gets better and we hope this situation improves and we hope we don't lose the job and we hope we do get the promotion and we hope the, the closing does go through and we hope and we hope and we hope and we expect and we think in our hearts somewhere, if God loved me, then he would do this thing and then when it doesn't happen, we go, he's not for me or he doesn't love me or he's incapable or the whole thing's fake and what has happened is that you have not had your hope set in the right place and the outside world won't change but a paradigm shift can happen in here that allows you to set your hope on what God has actually said and what God will actually do. Lastly, you need a revelation of his return. I mean, that's what this is really about. It's the revelation of Jesus. It's his return. Jesus is coming back. I mean, we're Christians. We live in in this reality of the imminent return. Everybody's been asking me, do you think this is the end of the world? And my thought is, well, it's the end of your world. (laughs) I mean, the mortality rate's pretty high around here, 100%. For generations, Christians have, li- have lived as if this is the end of the world. That's part of being a Christian is going, Jesus can come back at any time. We're just trying to be ready when he gets here, right? We live with an imminent return. Now, am I trying to calculate it out and say, is Jesus coming and is the vaccine the mark of the beast? Well, if they start putting it in your forehead, that might spook me a little, okay? I'm just saying. But no, the reality is, is that we are people who live, we live with a paradigm that says we have a Jesus who's coming back. And the reason he's not coming back now and saving us from COVID and saving us from a wonky world gone sideways and saving us from all the things that we thought would happen that didn't is because he has a plan that's so much bigger than all of those things. There's 8 billion people on this planet and Jesus wants every one of them to be his forever. And that is why we are still here. We are chosen and sent. We are elect exiles. And so let us shift our paradigm and set our hope on a revelation of his return and a revelation of his redemption and a revelation of his reign. Listen, I guarantee you when you do this, lots of things will change on the inside of you and you will find yourself strengthened, courageous, patient, compassionate, because your hope is not where it ought not to be. And your paradigm is not misinforming you based on faulty assumptions. And so take this journey with with us for four weeks. We're gonna talk about the different ways in this 21 verses that Peter shows us how to set our hope fully on Jesus. And as we do that, we're gonna experience the joy and the peace and the bravery and the courage that it takes to not be scrambling to try to control an outcome that isn't God's plan, but instead, 
to rest in letting him reign, to do what he's called you to do, to walk fearlessly into every situation and with boldness to trust in God who loves you, who died to save you, who is reigning from heaven and who will return to carry up every single disciple of his for a world without COVID and a world without elections and a world without evil and a world without death. And let us be people with hope set who are inviting others, not attacking them, not criticizing where they've set their hope, but inviting them to shift their paradigm, to see God as he has revealed himself to be. Maybe you're here this morning and you came in with a paradigm that said, I'm alone in this and I've got to handle this for myself. Or maybe you have a paradigm that says, I'm mostly alone, but I have access to help every once in a while. God, people, answers to prayer. Things go my way every once in a while. Listen, the reality is, is that you are known, seen, created, chosen, precious, attended to, meticulously, cared for, watched over, provided for, protected, called, empowered, and being sanctified for the purpose of God today. That's what's true. And so we shift our paradigm and then we set our hope. Amen. God, I pray for every person in my hearing, in person and streaming online who needs the hope that you have offered in Jesus, that you have caused us to be born again to a living hope. God, we thank you that our Jesus is alive. God, I pray that as we evaluate, why do we think that? And how do we come to that conclusion? And as we dig up our underlying assumptions, because our hopes are failing and not coming to fruition. And we find ourselves angry and agitated at people who are opposing our hope throughout the world. God, let us let, us let that clue us into the fact that we need a paradigm shift. And God, as we meditate on your word, as we study, as we engage with your Holy Spirit, God, I pray that you would do what only you can do. And that is to renew our minds, to renew our spirits, to help us to see the world the way that you have described it and revealed it. God, I pray right now for any person that does not know you in a, in a saving way through Jesus, that does not experience and become the object of your redemption and salvation and forgiveness. Lord, I pray that they, that they would turn to you in obedience and be sprinkled with your blood to know you as Lord and Savior and to walk empowered by your spirit into the good plan that you have created for them. If that's you this morning and that's you hear God's invitation through forgiveness and submission to Jesus to experience salvation and forgiveness, empowering Holy Spirit, and to walk with boldness into the plan that he has had from eternity past for you and for this world. I just wanna invite you to take a few minutes today and express that to God in your own words and ask him to forgive you and to come into your heart and to lead you. And if you do that in faith, then you have been saved and your journey with Jesus has begun. And we'd like to hear about it and we wanna pray for you. God, I just ask that as we go out from here or that we would be people filled with hope, hope in Jesus, hope in the right place, that we would be patient, loving, kind, that we would be bringers of peace and that you would use us to carry good news to desperate people. We offer ourselves to you and 
receive this calling with humility, gratefulness, and dependence. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming back to church. We look forward to seeing you over the next four weeks. So glad that you're here. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We do have Youth and Joy Group is on Friday night at 530 for 55 and up. They'd love to have you there as well. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week.